If you're visiting with us this morning, we have a warm welcome for you. And before you leave, we would love to send you away with a gift, especially appropriate for this spring season. We have a set of our disc offs for our course outside. That's just a, a way of us saying thank you for being with us and that you're welcome back on our campus at any point. We are grateful for our time to gather together today. And today we have another wilderness story. This time it's Jesus in temptation in the wilderness. And it's from Matthew chapter 4 verses 1 through 11. So we get to be like the kids too, right? And tap on our ears, reminding us to listen to a word from God this morning. Let us hear and receive. Then the Spirit led Jesus up into the wilderness so that the devil might tempt him. After Jesus had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was starving. The tempter came to him and said, Since you are God's son, command these stones to become bread. Jesus replied, It's written, People won't live only by bread, but by every word spoken by God. After that, the devil brought him into the holy city and and stood him at the highest point of the temple. He said to him, since you are God's son, throw yourself down, for it is written, I will command my angels concerning you, and they will take you up in their hands so that you won't hit your foot on a stone. Jesus replied, again, it's written, don't test the Lord your God. Then the devil brought him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. He said, I'll give you all of these if you bow down and worship me. Jesus responded, go away, Satan, because it's written, you will worship the Lord your God and serve only him. The devil left him and the angels came and took care of him. This is a reading of Holy Scripture for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. No, I didn't. Oh, yes, you did. No, yes. Have you ever heard that before, that argument? Sound any a little bit familiar? Maybe you even heard it this morning as you're preparing to come to worship among your children. Or maybe that was an exchange you had with your spouse or with a friend yesterday. Some people call them disagreements. Others just call them arguments. And we have them all the time. Many times they are with other people. But they also can sometimes be with ourselves looking in the mirror. As we debate with ourselves about what we should think or feel or how we should react to a situation that is in front of us. Maybe it's something going on in our personal lives that we're just trying to rationalize or understand. Or maybe it's that we're trying to make sense of things that we see occurring in the world around us. We're just wanting to understand it. Now some of us have gotten to a point where we don't even recognize any longer that we can approach conversations with this me versus you attitude. 
Or maybe it's that you have a defensive posture that you go into a conversation with. Now, even if we're just looking in the mirror, we know that we can be hard on ourselves and we can be hard on other people. We can enter encounters poised with a rebuttal, ready to come back at someone, preparing to respond with a list of reasons why we have our opinions. And I'll even say that as Christians, there are some times when we feel like we need to take on defending God. As if someone might say or do something that would put God at risk. When usually it's those of us who are meant to embody God who are the ones creating some of these barriers that limit people from seeing God. Now in this season of Lent, Eric and I have been following this In the Wilderness series as it has invited us to think about those experiences in our own lives where and when we have struggled to either see the light on the horizon or to understand what God might want us to be about and to embody who God would want us to be. And it invites us to confront our hope and honestly address our tendencies that lead to distance between us and God. In fact, Lent is designed to allow us to evaluate some of our habits and rhythms that we've created in our lives. Confronting those spaces in our lives asks us to be honest with ourselves, and it challenges us to create a new space for God to work in us. We draw nearer to God by naming our struggles. And it can be a pretty humbling experience, this time of opening ourselves up to listen to God. Because sometimes what's revealed in that moment might be asking something of us. And it's tempting for us to get more focused and attuned to hearing our own voices rather than seeking God's. How often do we go back and forth with people trying to prove that we are right or that we know what we are talking about? We also can do the same thing with God. Now, while I am not a lawyer, one of the tactics that happens in a courtroom when reviewing a case, if there's any evidence that is present, there are both sides that are wanting to use that same piece of evidence to defend their client. In today's story in the gospel, we have this face-off between the devil or the tempter, as, it's, as he's named in different translations, and Jesus. Now, I don't know if you noticed, but the devil was using lines of Scripture to speak with Jesus, trying to convince him of his point of view. 
And then Jesus rebuttals Scripture back at the devil. Using the same source or evidence, but using it in a different way. And we do this all the time. In an effort to prove our point of view, we can pull out aspects of Scripture that we feel is important to what we feel or desire or want or need. But let's look for a second at these three temptations that we see in this story. The first is that the tempter invites Jesus to turn a stone into bread. The second is that he wants to provide an opportunity for Jesus to give proof that he is truly God's son. And the third is that he wants to offer Jesus complete rule and power over all the people, all the kingdoms, if he will bow down and worship the tempter. Now Jesus has been out in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. He is exhausted, weary, weak, and then... And then he gets tempted by the devil. Now, in Child Psychology 101, there's an acronym that's called HALT. H-A-L-T. And this is a way of evaluating how we can help fulfill a child's most basic needs, often even before they are verbal. Is the child hungry Angry, lonely, or tired? And if yes is the answer to any of these, a parent must first address that need that is lacking before that child is even going to be able to function from a place of feeling safe and stable. Now adults, can we just be honest with ourselves? That if we are hungry, or angry, or lonely, or tired, it is a lot harder for us to be a reasonable human being, a rational adult. At our very basic, we need to have these things met and fulfilled for us to come out of place from safety and stability to love ourselves, and to be able to love others more effectively. Jesus had been in the desert, alone, fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. Yeah, I can imagine that his halt was extremely exacerbated. And that's the thing about the wilderness, Sometimes it feels exactly like that. Sometimes we even arrive at a moment of wilderness because we are feeling hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. Have you ever said, can I just get a break? Have you? Can't I just catch a break? You feel like there's Not anything else that could possibly happen. But then something else shows up. 
Surely the roof doesn't need to be repaired right after I just had to replace the hot water heater. Or surely I didn't just receive news that my uncle has cancer right after the funeral of my grandparent. Or surely my kid did not fail that class right after they got a speeding ticket last week. Come on! We all have life factors that show up. And at points, it just feels overwhelming to handle. In those times, we have to make extra sure that our halt needs are being managed and met well. I really appreciate this story of Jesus out in the wilderness. And I'm not sure if it's profound or problematic that it was the spirit that led him out there. But he has fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. When the devil shows up suggesting that he can be released of his suffering. But that's exactly when we witness another aspect of Jesus' spirit and his strength. Because the reality of life for us is that often we can feel ourselves moving in a thousand different directions. Can I get an amen? And when, or if, there seems to be even a hint of relief from our suffering, you betcha we want it. Sign me up, I'll take that. Have you ever found yourself in the drive-thru at Starbucks getting yourself an extra coffee because you're feeling a little stressed out and you think that might feel good or taste good? Or looking at your neighbor's car and thinking, man, I wish I could have that one. Life would probably be a lot better if I could have that one. Or even feeling that if my kid could just get into the college that I wanted him to get in, we're going to be okay. Life's going to be all right. The devil at many levels is offering Jesus not just relief from his suffering, but control and power. Just like the snake did with Adam and Eve in the garden story. When he said, if you will just try this fruit from the tree of knowledge, then you can have wisdom like God. God has not told you everything, the serpent suggests. Completeness, wholeness, self-sufficiency, control, power. You can and you should have these things. They are within your grasp. And in that moment, by naming their incompleteness to Adam and Eve, naming what they lack, the serpent illuminates their wants and desires and needs. And then they begin to feel unsatisfied. Blaise Pascal is a 17th century French philosopher who spoke about a human being's desire, what we want, what we crave, in what he calls a God-shaped hole. Now he didn't see this God-shaped hole as being a flaw, but rather as a means by which God keeps us tethered to the life-giving relationship that we can have with God. 
Now, similarly, St. Augustine describes in his first lines of his confessions a restlessness in our hearts that is created by God that only can be satisfied when we rest in God. And there's a Welsh poet, George Herbert, who names this restlessness as a pulley in which God draws us back. Since you are God's son, or if you are the son of God, as it says in the New Revised Standard Version, these are the lines that the devil gives before each one of the temptations, suggesting that Jesus could and should establish himself in his own terms working to sever that pulley by which God draws us back. In this wilderness experience, Jesus is resisting the temptation to define himself apart from God. Instead, we find that he is content to know who he is in relation to whose he is. He doesn't have to prove anything to anyone. This notion of a God-shaped hole, I think, is an incredibly intriguing thought. Think about it just for a moment in your own lives. What things have presented themselves as perfectly shaped for that God-sized hole in your life at times? What are we tempted to look in hope of that will eliminate our insecurities and, and give us hope for some stability that actually doesn't end up fitting? You know, there are advertisements that's one of the ways that we become aware of, of some needs that we might have. Sometimes they can serve as a version of a tempter. Advertisements that say, if you just have this product or this toy or your house looks this way, then you're going to be happy. There are all kinds of suggestions of what will fill our lives. Instead of thinking about our relationship with God as being fulfilling, but Jesus shows us even when he is starving that this relationship with God is the sure foundation. At times we are so starved for a sense of meaning and purpose that we make decisions based on a hope of the story that they you know, the quotation mark they tell us, that we will feel less alone or less incomplete or more whole if we simply buy a product or do this thing. Now, I want to be very clear on something. It's not the stuff itself that is bad. It's that we expect too much out of it. We expect that it will fulfill a whole a couple of years ago, I remember buying a new pair of running shoes, and I, and I posted a picture of them on my feet, and I wrote something along the lines of, 
Do you like my new running shoes? Surely they're going to help me run more often and definitely be faster too. Emotional and spiritual hunger can be just as tempting to fill with things than our physical hunger. We often would like to see the easy way out when looking for solutions to real problems and challenges and issues. And we are called to live lives of honesty and hope. To be the ones who search for ways to create community, who feast on the bread of life that feeds our bodies and our souls. We are called to be the ones who fill ourselves and fill others with good things. We aren't going to solve any of the current issues of our lives or of the world with offering stones. Or pretending that there are quick fixes to difficult issues. Or by slandering others. Stones of anger, fear, hatred, they won't provide nourishment. But it is in recognizing that through Christ and relationship with God that there is an abundance of bread. Bread filled with nourishment and good things that we begin to more fully embody that good news of hope that's going to see us through the wilderness times in our lives. It curbs our need to feel like we always need to be in control or that we need to prove ourselves to others. Where did we even get this idea? Being tethered with God. Making time to listen. Listen for God and to God. That's what allows us to receive the good food and the good news. That it is in a nearness to God that will begin to generate and create hope and safety, and stability in our lives. That's the good news and the good food for our lives. The bread of life. Today for our closing hymn, we're going to sing the church's one foundation. And my prayer for all of us this morning... You know, worship allows us to come together and and do a lot of things in our worship of God. But one of the things that it invites us to do is to make that space. To spend some time, to spend a moment, take a pause, pump the brakes. And allow God to speak and to move. And I wonder what it is in your life, for your life where you're feeling the need to fill that God-sized hole. 
it's good for all of us to think about what we're filling our lives with. So I invite you to stand and to sing, and if you want to take a moment where you are in your pew, or if you want to come forward and kneel at the altar, this is an open space. It's your space to come and to know God and to be known by God. So let us worship together through song.